I'm Del Pilar. Some of you know me as a fantasy sports pioneer, which I'm proud of, but I'm also a conservative Latino. And I'm pretty excited because we're going to talk politics. I am a political junkie. That's the reason for sportsgrumblings.com, politics and sports. But today it's exclusively politics. And we are introducing a new podcast, the Fired Up Podcast with Karen Roseberry. For those of you who do not know who Karen is, well, she's a political activist out in California. And today we are going to talk about Karen, who she is, abortion in general, Roe versus Wade. She'll update us, maybe hopefully give us a little backdrop to the history of it and why it's predominantly in the political hemisphere right now. And then since we are California beasts, and I no longer believe it because it's no longer true, but there was a time where as California went, the nation went. But those were always during, during the golden years. And I believe that ended right around 2020. And we're going to talk about abortion and politics and abortion and the legislative matters in this state. And Karen, I've been hogging the limelight here. I'm the host, but you are the star. Everyone, this is Miss Karen Roseberry. How are you today, Karen? Doing very well. Thank you so much, William. Appreciate it. Yeah. So Karen, you are a natural at this. I've watched some of your segments and you have a, a show you go on called Central California or something to that extent. I've got a couple uh, from uh, up north. Uh, there's a Central Valley talk that I've been on a little bit. And uh, from time to time, I'm on uh, uh, Fox 40 uh, uh, occasionally as, as an analyst. So yes. Okay. Well, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself in the terms of uh, I would assume you are an educated woman, college, got, got involved in politics through uh, uh, college, maybe? Uh, actually, really wasn't specifically college, although, I mean, to a degree, my, my degrees are in political science. Uh, I do hold a, a BA and a master's from Cal State Northridge um, in political science. Uh, initially kind of thought I was going to become a lawyer and uh, was moving in that direction. Uh, decided that our, our criminal justice system while it needs tremendous help, uh, was not where I wanted to put my time and attention. I went into education for a while uh, to uh, primarily substitute teach and then teach at the college level uh, as well, where I found that there was just a better return on investment in trying to hopefully get to young minds before they ended up in a criminal justice system. So I uh, did a lot of work with continuation uh, school students and then uh, did transition into some um, political work. Uh, made a, a little run for office myself, uh, which was a lot of fun and learned a lot and it was great. And then uh, transitioned into uh, helping run some campaigns and then uh, just also some support roles. Uh, I now most recently, um, it's, it kind of speaks to Pregnancy Matters, um, and the, uh, the executive director of uh, CareNet Women's Resource Center uh, in North County, uh, so Northeastern uh, Los Angeles County is where we're located. And uh, we help uh, to assist women um, that uh, might be in crisis um, over their pregnancy. Uh, do you have a website for that? Uh, ADCareNet.org. Uh, there you go, people, AD Karenet. So Karen, tell us a little bit about your politics. Okay, you said, well, first of all, let's back up. You mentioned you ran for office. I do know about that. That was, that was actually about the time I started to get involved in California politics. And I, I saw you at, I want to say it was a Tea Party uh uh, Dinner in San Diego, Dinner. I believe. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. It, was, it was in San Francisco, I believe, uh, or right outside San Francisco. Okay, the, okay. The city. It was 2015 or 2016, right around there. Yep. You were running for senator. I was. Now, I ran now, against Kamala Harris. <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, when I saw that, I just, I don't just don't give any stock to federal candidates in the state of California anymore. How did Neither you feel did running an uphill battle? Especially. I'm sorry? How did you feel running an uphill battle? 
I mean, you, you were a grassroots person. There were some bigger names. And then on top of that, it's a state that that's just Democrat dominated. Sure. So the, the race that I ran in was the 2016 race. It was a, actually an open seat at the time because Boxer uh, declined uh, to run. So there were 34 candidates that were running. And pretty much as soon as, as Boxer announced that she wasn't running, the, the, the press pretty much uh, dubbed as the heir apparent that it was going to be Kamala Harris, uh, though uh, Loretta, Loretta Sanchez uh, made a run for it as well and ended up with uh, uh, two Democrats that actually advanced um, in that particular uh, primary race because of the top two uh, jungle primary in California. Uh, there were 12 and, Republicans that were running. Uh, and for the record, so for people out there, the jungle primary, no, that's not identity politics jargon. <laughs> the jungle primary, it was pushed by Republicans, uh, accepted by Democrats. In essence, it's what you call the elitist cabal up on top, regardless of party, putting into law through our own votes and stating that the top two candidates, regardless of party, move on to the general. And that's what the jungle primary is in a, in a nutshell. I apologize, go on. No, I appreciate you clarifying it because I know that there's some of the viewers that are not necessarily political junkies and they're not familiar with that. And honestly, there are still people in California, even though that this went into effect I believe it was 2014 that it actually went into effect, um, that, that still are not aware that there's an open primary system and that it is the top two um, that, that advance uh, and really understanding what that actually means. And they assume this was pushed by the leftist cabal out of Sacramento, having no clue, I'm talking about people on our side, having no clue it was a complete betrayal, a continual betrayal by the current California Republican Party. Now, people, that's my belief. I can't speak for Karen, but that's how I view the cabal in California politics. You know, so Karen, we, we know a little bit about your background. You ran for senator. Uh, you do political consulting now. You do grassroots activism. Activism. Without getting into great detail, though, what are your current projects or your last big projects that you worked on, and what are you planning on working on? Oh wow! Uh, from time to time, uh, candidates will contact me. So I, I've done a little dabbling um, in a LA City Council race. I'm here. Uh, I did uh, some work uh, on the uh, primarily the first, although a little bit on the second as well um, for the recall uh, Gascon effort that uh, actually needs to get their signatures in by July 6th. Uh, I do um, some work for California Pro-Life Council, um, did uh, especially, and you know, uh, but now uh, primarily I'm kind of transitioning over um, to, to the work that I'm doing at, at the Pregnancy Center. So that's uh, certainly taking a, a the majority of my time. So, but uh, I still do stay uh, fairly politically active, um, at least informed, um, ready to be able to be able of assistance uh, when, when questions come up. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, real quick, again, without getting too into that, into in depth, where is a Gascon recall at right now? One, do they have enough signatures? And two, with the current political environment, can they actually pull this off? The reason I asked about Gascon is the Dave Chappelle incident is uh, national news. And that was here in California. And it was immediately shown that they weren't going to charge the guy, the, the, the LADA. It took the LA city attorney to charge him with four misdemeanors. So one, where we, do we stand with the recall, Gascon and signatures? Two, can it be pulled off? And three, did the Dave Chappelle moment, will that help with the potential recall? Dave Chappelle certainly gave a lot of attention um, to the effort and it has been you know, attempted to be used um, to 
you know, propel uh, the movement forward. Uh, current reports have uh, the signature count at uh, a little over 400,000, about 53 days left uh, to collect signatures. 566,857 signatures are needed by July 6th. So they're I, close. Well, yes, in one respect, but there's also the fact that the, that's 566,857 uh, qualified signatures. Yeah, yeah. And there's uh, usually um, a tendency of the, the verification rate running, I mean, between between 70 and 80 percent. 80 is extraordinarily high. You seldom get it that high. Uh, the recall Bonin effort, uh, which actually delivered the what seemed to be the required number of signatures fell to about 67% in qualification and actually fell below the threshold needed to actually qualify that recall. Now, okay, Bonin so, showed, so Karen, that's hey, a lot hey, of Let jargon. me finish my thought really quick. Really quick. a lot of jargon so, there. I understand, and I'll, and I'll break it down. What I am trying to say by that, though, is, is that the Bonin recall actually failed, even though Bonin chose not to run for re-election that was there. So to break it down simply, What's really needed is to turn in closer to 800,000 signatures. And when you take that verification rate that I was referencing, which I know is math, but when you take 800,000 and you multiply it by 0.7 or 0.75, which is your 70 or 75% verification rate, that's how you get to the 566,857 qualified signatures. Right, so what you're saying in essence is there's 500 some odd thousand votes they've got to get x amount no. over that signature total right right not, not vote signatures but yes uh right right 500. yes yes signatures needed Five hundred thousand some odd signatures needed they've got to get over a threshold of what percentage is what you're saying right uh, and what i'm saying is is, is that well it, it's not really over that percentage you, you're kind of reversing the math and so it, it's not being explained they they, they need to submit enough signatures so that when they run at a 70% verification rate for that, they will get to the 566,857. Right, 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 right. I'm just trying to, to, to simplify it in the sense they've got to get more signatures than yes. needed because yes. what's going to happen, and this is the the, the Democrat-controlled uh, state office that handles this, is going to do everything to disqualify signature after signature after signature. So so any cause, right or left, doesn't matter, needs to be above that threshold to account for the signatures that will get knocked out. So, sure. so and that's just with every every proposition, every ballot measure they want. All right, so let's get to the meat of all this. A little background into what's happening, uh, 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 but let's start first with a little history of Roe versus Wade. What is Roe versus Wade to the audience in terms of its judicial meaning and its actual practicality in America? Sure. So in 1973, a, I believe it was a Texas law, if, if memory serves really correctly, they, they usually are the ones to, to stir up controversy when it comes to, to abortion, uh, was, was struck down by the Supreme Court. Um, it was struck down on a ruling of that it was a, a violation of a right to privacy. Uh, right to privacy you won't actually specifically find um, in the Constitution. It was inferred from uh, the 14th Amendment where there is uh, to be equal protection under the law. And equal protection under the law um, translated into this very gray, very murky, very inferred um, statement of a, of a right to privacy. Um, the Supreme Court, contrary to popular opinion and just a radical misunderstanding uh, does not make law. Um, if you think back to eighth grade, you know, civics class and 
you know, 12th grade civics class, you know, you have three branches of government, you have the legislative branch that makes your law, you have the executive branch that enforces your law, and you have the judicial branch that interprets the law. The Supreme Court is part of the judiciary, and they can strike down laws, they can determine that a law is unconstitutional, or they can uphold a law, and that law remains in effect, but the law is actually passed by the legislative branches. State legislatures pass laws, and Congress and Senate pass federal laws. There's no federal law uh, on abortion. There's no constitutional amendment for that. There was a law in Texas that was struck down by Roe v. Wade. And the inferred policy that came from this was that abortion was legalized. Um, that, right. That's just so, not accurate. So what you're saying is, what Karen is saying, people, is those are what, we, when you hear the term activist judges, that's what we're, we are referring to. And she said, you can strike down the law but you cannot create a law. And ironically, anecdotally speaking, when I've researched this through other articles, et cetera, yada, 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 it just always comes to me that we create bigger problems when judges do this. And Democrats have learned this. So now they use the court system as another layer to push and promote what they want. They're like, if we can't pass it legislatively, We'll take it to court and we'll get an activist leftist judge to make it law in some way. In fact, isn't that what's currently the big issue with the immigration system right now? There's a Supreme Court opinion or, or below the Supreme Court, but one of the federal court's opinions that's causing all this, this these issues. So so well said, Ms. Karen. And uh, Roe versus Wade has been seen as the lay of the land. And most people were stunned that, uh, 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 not stunned, most people believed that this would be part of our culture for the rest of, uh, of our existence. Whereas many of us, I'm pro-life, but I do believe we do need abortion. But my whole issue is simply, this is, is uh, uh, in trying to stay neutral and trying to be that third party that goes, look, this is what you're looking at. To me, it's black and white. This is a, 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 a something that's become a federal issue that is against the constitution because it's a state's rights issue. Uh, am I wrong in that? Or is that how the, it, it should be framed based off the law? Well, or, I'm sorry, based off the constitution. Right. Well, certainly in the fact that the Constitution does not actually speak to abortion, um, it, it would actually be something that was generally kicked back um, to the states um, to make that determination. And, and essentially, the, the leaked Supreme Court decision that uh, was put out um, in the, that political article essentially has uh, Justice Alito, uh, it was primarily his decision uh, that was leaked in about a 98-page um, document that was there. Um, and it goes into tremendous detail um, that basically outlines just why the, the, the Roe v. Wade decision was just badly decided then. And th this is not unprecedented for the Supreme Court um, to overturn a, a bad decision. And, you know, it, it's championed when that decision is disliked by the, the group that we, where it was passed, but then it is, you know, almost, you know, sometimes even potentially violently contested uh, by those that you know, wanted the status quo to remain. Uh, when Brown versus Board of Education overturned Plessy versus Ferguson in separate um, but, but equal um, in 54 and, and then through the 60s civil rights movement, I mean, you had, you know, governors, you know, outside of schools and, you know, needing the National Guard to remove right. them. So mm -hmm. again, the, the, the contentiousness of a overturned 
Supreme Court decision to right or wrong, um, we have seen. Um, it's just a question over what is right and what is wrong um, is, is really what right. this boils down to. And so this is now a question over the fact that this is a matter of life. And, you know, now, you know, 49 years after the Roe v. Wade decision, it is the science is clear. And for all of the talk of science and data, this is not a clump of cells. This is a human being um, that is there. And the, that is hard for the, the left to, to seemingly accept, but, but that's exactly what the, the decision coming down is, is that this isn't, this isn't violating you know, any other you know, decisions on right to privacy or anything like that. This is, this is a matter of life. And it was a very badly ruled decision uh, for Roe v. Wade. It, it needs to be overturned and it will go back to the states uh, for, for their uh, determination as to how to implement laws surrounding abortions. Exactly. The, I find it ironic. When it comes to the precedent argument, I shut it down quickly. So you're saying that, that Dred Scott should have stayed a law? Is that what you're saying? That Black Americans were just property? That's what they ruled. You believe in precedent. I mean, it's so outlandish what I'm saying. It kind of shuts it down and kind of ends it. It's, it's like you can't sit there and say, we want precedent for this. Never touch us. And then want to overturn everything that you uh, 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 want to be seen done. And that's a problem with human nature. They tend to only look at, on both sides, you know, on our side, we talk about limited government, limited government, and in the same topic, abortion and pro-life, their conservatives are okay with the biggest government to push that, that agenda. So, so I do see hypocrisy, and I'm not talking about my personal beliefs in abortion, in just terms of what I see happening in the battle. Well, okay, so you mentioned this becoming a, a state's rights issue. In California, Obviously, we are a Democrat-controlled state. We are what I call a social democracy, a socialist democracy, because uh, we are literally ruled by one hand. Uh, Gavin Newsom just came out, and I think not what he's doing, but I think this is how it should be done. The battles are in the states, not at the federal level. So he's come out already with a $125 million proposal in terms of, of enhancing and strengthening abortion services and care. Do you know much about that yet? Well, um, he certainly is trying to bolster um, the state budget for that. Um, I don't necessarily know that I would call any of that care um, that's actually involved in this. Um, and there's just, there's a lot of really bad legislation um, that is surrounding this. Um, his, his whole stance is, is that he wants California to be the, the flagship and to entrench you know, a, uh, you know, woman's right to abortion. He's already um, suggesting that there will be a uh, Amendment to the California state constitution um, to that effect. Um, ironically, when the voters have actually passed amendments to our state constitution, um, there's no, not even an enforcement of that by the you know, attorney general uh, for, for what the people actually said that they wanted, even though it's actually still technically in our constitution. So, I mean, the, the reality is, is that in California, we probably are not going to see a significant change. In fact, more people may be coming here uh, because of the just liberalness and, and the outright, you know, the, I, 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 yeah, the outright. They'll be coming here because of the access to free 
abortion care is what it boils down to is that and that's what they're hoping for and that's what they're putting into this the, that's part of the 125 million 125 million uh uh uh, uh I, I heard 57 million i'm not sure about the 125 but um it, may be well, it, it, include, it includes 40 million in grants or reproductive health providers okay. Uh, whose clients lack health insurance. Again, the free care. Uh, outreach programs covering sexual health and reproductive issues are proposed. It removes Medi-Cal requirements that may not be medically necessary, and it gives 20 million for tech and security upgrades. Uh, to me, whether I agree with that or not isn't the issue. It's the fact that this battle is raring. And as a Latino, I can tell you that the California Republican Party and in general, the National Republican Party is completely out of touch with Latinos. My proof is simple. They all gravitated to Trump because they wanted a fighter, a champion, somebody who was willing to get down in the trenches with them. And now they're currently leaving the uh, Democratic Party. Uh, I spoke to a grassroots activist, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. And it was, uh, and I'll be honest, it was a Ron Neary led class and he was terrible. Oh, Latinos don't vote Republican. I mean, he was an ignorant bastard who had no clue about our culture. So for him to say that, I got angry because it epitomized the California Republican Party. So then this one lady turned around and she said she was working with a church group and they went into the barrios with Spanish speakers. Most of these Spanish speakers thought not not uh, uh, the, the 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 constituents they were speaking to. They had no clue on their Democrat representative. They thought they were pro-life. They thought they were looking out for them. They thought they were fighting for a, a lower taxes, lower cost of living. You know, they benefit them. So when they were presented with the fact that they were, it had something to do with abortion at the time. So this was years ago. They were flipping Latinos at that moment into Republicans once they learned the truth. The silver lining with this is most Latinos are conservative, period. It's like most people don't realize a lot of black Americans in the South, they live conservative lives to a degree. Just come election season, cha-ching with a Democrat lover. So there's a disconnect there, but the silver lining is there's an opening here to get to the Latino voting block. And when I say voting block, most third generation Latinos tend to be kids in college. As we know, the youth don't come out to vote, even though they may be the most passionate, they may be doing the walking, et cetera. So there's a silver lining to fight this because Latinos in general are against abortion. You know, fundamental blacks, meaning the church going blacks, uh, 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 not, you know, maybe a couple of generations back. So there's a silver lining in all this. And I believe right now they're the California political machine is like, how do you say it? Behemoth? They're like a behemoth just rolling over everything. But we have a chance to be a pebble over that steamroller and to kind of give it a few bumps on the road if we play our, our, our cards right. There are marches planned already, Karen. And I wanted to bring to your attention, you're not a lawyer, but your thoughts. I, I believe I have the answer to this based off my industry. But there's a California company called Choi or Chua or something like that. It's something new. I'd never heard of it until I started researching for this. It's a telehealth clinic. So meaning they do remote teaching, remote prescriptions and things like that. You know, can you tell us a little bit about the, uh, and they're talking specifically about an abortion pill. Uh, the the uh, SCOTUS said, no, it's illegal to send it by mail, I guess, or, or, or it, that was reversed or maybe the FDA reversed. Somehow it's legal now. So you can send abortion pills over, over the mail. Uh, 
their concern, uh, one, if you can tell us a little bit about the abortion pill, and two, their concern with how they will be received because they plan on taking signups from individuals in states where it is illegal. So, so one, can you tell us about the abortion pill? Right. So real quick, I just wanted to back up a little bit on the, that, that budget statement that you were making, though. And I just want to clarify that that even individuals such as yourself, where, you know, you, you've mentioned that, you know, you, you kind of see, you know, the potential need for, you know, whether it's abortion or not. Generally speaking, most Americans still are not terribly keen on tax dollars funding that. And so having Newsom come out with the budget that he's coming out with, with such a, a large amount of money going to fund this while we're in the middle of just inflationary percentages that we haven't seen. So most Americans, especially Californians, struggling right now, seeing dollars allocated for something where we can't even get, you know, the, the gas tax rebate checks that he's been promising coming back to the, the everyday working class Californians. There's room to, to really, I think, work that narrative on, on where dollars are actually being spent um, in California and what's being prioritized. So I just wanted to speak to that. In answer to your current question though, so yes. So um, basically as a result of COVID um, and the inability to be able to get into doctor's offices as easily, there was a, a tremendous spike and boom um, in telehealth and that included um, those that uh, you know would go online searching for uh, the abortion pill. Um, the abortion pill is different than some of the other things and, and I'll spare uh, listeners all of the, the breakdown of the difference. Well, real quick, Karen. The morning after pill, like the uh, just real quick is, is you, uh, the reason I asked that is most of us are familiar, probably through movies mostly, but that there is a morning after pill. Is that what the abortion pill is? No, um, they, they are two separate things. So the, the morning after pill is generally referred to as like plan B. I think um, uh, Ella is one. Um, the packaging on that will refer to it as emergency contraception. Um, it, it actually is intended to stop conception from taking place. Uh, it's just after the fact, it prevents ovulation. Um, it can get into a very gray and murky area of preventing implantation. So it, it can move into places of, well, you know, if it didn't implant a fertilized egg. I'd rather speak specifically though to the, the abortion pill that you're talking right, right, about because right. there's actually some, some dangers that are involved in this that, that are a little more concerning. And that actually includes the fact that the, it's not designed for any pregnant woman past 10 weeks in pregnancy. So there's um, limitations to it is what you're saying. Right. Um, I, I think the absolute max um, could be 14 weeks, um, but you are essentially creating a miscarriage is what the, that the pill does. It dumps a, a, a bunch of, of hormones into the system to try to essentially tell the body that it's not pregnant anymore. Um, and it brings on, um, you know, a planned and intentional miscarriage. In fact, actually women okay. are told that, oh, you're just having a miscarriage. You're not really having an abortion, but a planned miscarriage is in fact an abortion. It, it, it's deliberate. The problem is, is that if that the baby is further along than is believed it can actually do physical harm and, and women are going to have to go into doctors to deal with this because the pill cannot the, the, the body cannot actually process what's happening uh, without there being 
better medical care involved. And so it's doing a tremendous disservice to women to, oh, take this pill and everything's, you know, going to go away. And it's not that there, there is actually dangers to a woman's body if they are trying to terminate a pregnancy that is farther along through a medical uh, abortion rather than a surgical abortion and that the body will not be able to actually complete the miscarriage and, and women can get hurt from this. Wow. And so then when you add in legislation like AB 2223, that basically is absolving these providers, if you will, from oh, any Karen. liability. Hang on one second, <laughs> any no, liability. Tell us what AB 2223 is specifically. Sure. Uh, but any liability of their actions, then women are at an even greater disadvantage. AB 2223 um, is, a, uh, is a bill that's been proposed by uh, Buffy Wicks um, that um, is actually trying to prevent the investigation of uh, pretty much any uh, death of a child 20 weeks in development, so a, a fetal development of, of 20 weeks and beyond through perinatal deaths. Um, and perinatal um, can be at the most conservative definition, seven days after birth, um, and in some cases up to 28 days after birth. So essentially there will be no further investigation of deaths of children that are you know, 20 weeks in, in fetal development and onward through, if this law were to pass, up to at least seven days after birth, possibly even 28 days after birth. So in essence, this is abortion without restriction, and that's nowhere in the United States of America right now. Well, yeah, I mean, in essence, this is actually, we're not going to investigate infant birth. deaths. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, well, certainly the, the, the deaths of children um, that, that have actually been born seven days after birth, you know, 28 days after birth, and it actually puts at risk the law enforcement, um, it, it actually um, will suggest that they can be uh, uh, gone after civilly um, and, and they can be held you know, liable and actually come under um, a, a uh, criticism, but even more than a criticism, they, they can actually be you know, sued essentially um, if they are, are found to be investigating um, these deaths. Um, they're claiming that it's a coercive uh, or that um, it's a threatening intimidation um, to investigate uh, the deaths of children. Uh, Karen, a, a little pushback on your taxes issue. I agree with you on paper, but the reality of the case is this has been ongoing now for decades upon decades upon decades with Planned Parenthood and the funding of them nationally. And we haven't even uh, budged on that because I, I, I think one, it's not personal. One thing Democrats are good with the, any battle, but especially with abortion is they make it emotional and personal. Two, Republicans don't seem to care about the tax issue because they'll tell us one thing, then they go and vote the other. And we as people still keep reelecting these individuals. You know, Now in their defense, a lot of times these Planned Parenthood, let's give him money, is tacked on to larger bills. But I still blame the politicians that represent us because they're the ones who agree to go along with all this. So I don't think they've ever made that work. And I don't think that they'll make it work this time. It's just a flaw in our party. And I'm putting it mildly by saying flaw. Now, moving on from that, California has about 13 of these uh, these. Uh, uh, legislative uh, bills getting ready to move forward. I think so, a lot of these are going to die in court just because they're overreaching. But Karen, you made one comment, and I'd like for you to clarify for me in, in, in terms of what I'm thinking. So in researching all this, 
uh, some of the racial warriors were talking about how the white man's prosecuting some of these women who've had miscarriages. But then you brought something interesting in how you use the term, which kind of made the, the red light go off. It's technically they're miscarriages, but in essence, these pills are abortions. Uh, so, so it would seem that they're trying to conflate the innocence of the, 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 the abortion by identifying it as miscarriage and stating these women only had miscarriages. These are just the ones that have been prosecuted. You know, uh, uh, is, that, is that true in how I'm looking at it, that they use the term miscarriage for an abortion uh, for political reasoning uh, uh, to, to deflect off what the woman may have done illegally? Quite honestly, the, the most notable case that, that I'm familiar with, and I, I don't have all the specifics, but, but I did get some information, and I actually hope to even get a little further, uh, was when Buffy Wicks was giving testimony before the health committee um, in Sacramento, she, you know, tried to suggest that there was a woman that had, you know, been jailed for, you know, a miscarriage, that that was how she was, was basically um, depicting this. And that, that was just grossly inaccurate. I mean, the, gotcha. the woman was actually a meth user. Um, and again, I, I need to research specifically what her, you know, jail sentence actually entailed. Uh, my speculation, and again, I, I really do want to research this, but most likely additional children and child endangerment. It wasn't specifically child endangerment per se of the unborn child, although that probably was included um, in the decision that was there. But, but the idea is, is that she, her drug use was the endangerment of that child. And the child, you know, did end up, you know, she did end up miscarrying. I don't, I don't even believe that that was actually an abortion. I think it was just the, the consequences of the drug use and right. the so side effect a, of that. So miscarriage though, because it's, but it was caused by her. Correct. No. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so there, there is a tendency to want to blur um, all, you know, they, they are trying to use language that is going to be less controversial um, in, in certain ways and more, more very sympathetic language. Side. Yeah, right. Uh, either in some cases it will actually cause more controversy to a degree, but you know, they're not saying that women, you know, that are out there actively and, you know, deliberately and, and by choice, you know, ending the, the lives of their children and, you know, calling that abortion that they want to call that miscarriage. So it sounds more sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, and that's when you said it. That's exactly what clicked in. And then, as you were chatting uh, in layman terms, in essence, what most of the world and I believe is. Uh, uh, but you even changed that with explaining that past case with the meth use causing the miscarriage. But but technically, that still is a miscarriage because miscarriage, layman wise, we just assume it's when something naturally bad happens in the body. Meaning the 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 mother to be didn't do anything. Just it, it was a miscarriage. That's kind of how we use it in our heads or look at it. Right. So what the Democrats are doing is, is if somebody uh, 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 like this meth user, uh, uh, allegedly, or, or, or somebody uses a pill, uh, uh, those are outright abortions in a way. Well, not the meth users, since it, she, she's, but someone who takes a pill, they're aborting the baby. So to use that and use the term miscarriage is a blatant lie. And it's done for one reason, for political sway. Is that, is that one fair way to look at it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely being done to misrepresent what's actually happening. 
uh, like I say, that there, there are spontaneous miscarriages, which is what most people, they don't even use the word spontaneous before a miscarriage. And it's, it's just that understanding that the body uh, was not able um, to, to successfully carry the pregnancy to term. And then there are, you know, deliberate and there are, you know, uh, you know, willful and, and those, you know, that, that are uh, by choice. Um, so they had, so. have they broken that down into law, like kind of like murder? They got murder, manslaughter, this, that? Is, 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 I would be very, very careful to, to even remotely go there. Um, like I say, th there is no um, desire by the overwhelming preponderance of the pro-life community um, to criminalize um, th this whatsoever. Oh, no, no, uh, no I'm and, not and talking so, about the pro-life. No, I understand, no, no. but that's why I'd be, I, I just, I mean, murder is, is, is a legal component to this. And so uh, keeping that actually out of the discussion is, is much more appropriate um, for this because then you, you do, you get people that latch onto that and you know you get even potentially bad legislation like what we saw in Louisiana and just so some places there uh, that yeah. it's not a arena in which the pro-life community wants to go. This is about making sure that the, the laws do not support abortion, not trying to criminalize um, women or, you know, the, the actions that are there. It, it's about hopefully changing hearts, minds, and culture um, that's there and not making it legislatively okay to abort life. Right, right, right. Absolutely correct. And my friends, this shows exactly how touchy this is. Because I was referring nothing to abortion or murder. I was referring to does the law classify uh, miscarriages into various categories. But this does show an important point in how sensitive, how delicate this battle is. Because I'm with Karen. My belief is I'm pro-life, but I believe it's our job to convince the woman not to have for all the reasons that are positive in having the baby, whether it's adoption, becoming a mother, yada, yada, yada. I know I'm not trivializing it with yada, yada. But the point is, is we have to convince. I think our side the, uh, becomes equivalent to the left when we start to want to legislate. But that said, I do believe science is destroying the left's case. And that's why they're becoming more violent, more savage, more willing to hurt, maim, destroy to get their way because they, they use pseudoscience for COVID. They completely ignore the science for uh, abortion because it's black and white. And then they use pseudoscience for climate change. So they really don't believe in the science as much as using the science when it benefits them and kind of ignoring or lying about it uh, otherwise. Okay. So Going back to C H O I X, I don't know how to pronounce that, but they are again. They're they're in a lot of they're in a few states, and they plan on helping these women who say are in states where abortion is illegal, uh, and that's going to become news and hope for women. I'm going to give you my thoughts, but you're more you're not a lawyer, but you're more legally scholar than I am in the fantasy sports industry. We created a carve out for ourselves which said fantasy sports is not illegal and the federal government passed it. Uh, we fought hard for that, it's changed and that's another story. But in essence, it still did not allow us to operate in states that had made it illegal themselves. So there were like seven states where it's illegal to uh, 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 play fantasy games. My, in layman terms, I'm thinking, okay, it does, if a state makes it illegal, then that person in, this, in that state cannot be uh, uh, doing anything in conjunction with an abortion with an outside party or not. But that's just me 
looking at it logically from layman terms. Uh, this Choi company, they're they're pretty much going to accept women from out of state, and 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 their concern is, well, how are the states going to respond? And I'm like, well, it's pretty simple. If right now, no state that I know of probably has much legislation on abortion since it's a federal issue. But I uh, 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 figure, actually, that's not true. After the Civil War, uh, many states uh, 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 made it uh, uh, made some law changes, but I'm not wasn't well versed with what they were. But my point being is, I would assume if it's illegal for that person, they've got to leave the state to go to another state, uh, that it is legal, that having a, an account in a legal state to send you abortion products in an illegal state is going to run afoul of the legal system. My long-winded way of asking you. <laughs> what are well, your thoughts? I think that what we actually see this as being much more equivalent to, and honestly, it's a comparison that Newsom's tried to make, and, and it's his whole Point. He got all bent out of shape when Texas basically passed the law that they did that allowed for civil prosecution for those that committed an abortion. So they, they actually kind of end run it around the, the, the criminality of it and they made it a civil issue. And so he tried to do the same thing with with uh, gun manufacturers here in California. Now, it hasn't been extraordinarily successful yet. But essentially what, what you have is, is you know, California has some of the tightest gun laws that there is. You can't yeah. you can't mail a gun to yourself in California that is not legal in California. You oh, so our own laws going to bite them in the tush. So, I mean, essentially, I mean, in theory, that would be correct if you're trying to have consistency that's there. So, like I say, in, in states where you are permitted to have those guns and those ammunitions, yeah, you can actually mail um, some of those things. Now, there may be some, some federal laws that, that are now um, working on trying to actually get consistency across the board. But but my understanding is, is that in less restrictive states with gun laws, you actually can, I think, uh, mail. Again, I'm not a lawyer, whatever the law actually is. And, and there probably are some federal, you know, limitations that are actually there now. And I know that you're usually asked, you know, at the post office, you know, what you're, you know, mailing or not mailing and those, you know, sorts of things. But there are certain places that will actually still mail like ammunition and things like that, but you're not going to get it into California. Right, that right, is, right. is an absolute certainty because of the restrictions that are there. But so, now, Karen, though, yes. when we talked about activist judges earlier. This is this sounds like the type of case where a group will try to steer that case into a favorable judge, yes or no? Which meaning an activist judge that'll pull it out of his tush to make it legal in some form or way or fashion. Like I say, I, I think there just is going to have to be consistency in terms of what is allowed to be brought into a state as it relates to state laws. You know, again, I, now the, the, the gun matter is actually more interesting because there actually is a constitutional amendment that actually protects, um, you know, the, the right to bear arms. But states have still been given a fairly wide latitude yeah. um, to, to, interpret that narrowly in some cases now some of those laws have been struck down you know as well um so but the there's always going to be an overarching constitutional amendment that allows for that protection uh, that presently is not um the case with abortion and exactly i think i think it would that's be a big difference somewhat hard pressed um to get a constitution u.s constitutional amendment um to abortion i'm actually really kind of going to be curious what the language that comes from the california state constitution because i do think that we will be seeing um, an attempt to push that forward um i i believe that it may be overreaching although in, in the state of california nothing actually really surprises me but if if they try to overplay their hand 
I think that there could even be some pushback because even Californians, while the, you know, I believe it is probably fair to say the overwhelming majority were, were not okay with the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I don't believe that they are at all where the Buffy Wixes and, and the Gavin Newsoms are on this issue of essentially abortion on demand, you know, at, at any point and codifying it and entrenching it as this, this right, um, almost without restriction. Now that Most, said though, it's better for them to do that no matter how outlandish and get it passed. What I'm trying to say is it's the people deciding. I'm not agreeing with, with what they want to no, do. No, right. Versus, for, for versus Roe versus Wade protecting everybody. Right. First uh, state constitutional amendment, it will go back to Californians. And if it doesn't pass in California because they were so far overreaching, that would be a tremendous blow. So, you know, they, they might want to at least consider downplaying just the overreach of their hand. They'll be able to get it through the legislature, no problem. But right. if, if it really came down to just where Californians are on the issue, well, I think most Californians are, are probably going to stand at viability. Um, here's how it breaks down. I, I actually researched some polling on this just last week. Uh, and to put it in layman terms, most of the country and a big swath of the country don't want to see Roe versus Wade overturned just because they don't understand the in-depth of it all. They just see it as abortion should be legal. And the reason most of them see it is because they believe they're certain, regardless of your stance, there's certain cases where abortion should happen in their minds. But once you start breaking it down to to how many weeks is a woman pregnant or, or the tax dollars used and how much and things like that. That's when those numbers begin to sharply drop. And that's the challenge for the Republican party is how do you turn those bullet points into layman points that the average person can sit there and understand. And I do mean this, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way because I know leftists will take it. There's a swath of America that's uneducated. Uh, I, I, I was blessed. My parents were uneducated and they allowed me to get educated just through America and I chose that path. And the reason I say this is it's easy to fool them with intellectual talk with layer upon layer upon layer or emotion. And that makes it tougher for the Republican Party to one, put it in layman terms, because you were talking already today, very technical terms, a lot of numbers, a lot of this, and that tends to confuse the average person. So that's going to be the challenge for the Republican Party. And one correction, not one correction, but one clarification. The US government permanently allowed abortion pills to be delivered by mail in December of 2021. SCOTUS had something to do with saying, no, that wasn't legal or something, but I didn't see the read that. I just ignored it once I saw the when it was made legal, because that's the important part of all this. Uh, so the, I, I don't want to close this out just yet, but a couple of situations. This is seen as a racial justice. I think that's an oxymoron because abortion has kept the black population to approximately 13% of Americans. They've killed what, 30 million babies. My point is, is, is I think it's a woman's choice. I just don't want her to get the abortion. I want her to do, have the baby and do something with it. But that said, I think uh, 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 abortion has become a crux, meaning people don't protect themselves when they have sex. It's an easy way out but it also has medical consequences. But more importantly, it's not a social justice issue because it deals with every woman. It's access to the abortion. And with the morning pills uh, uh, and access to 
scientific technology making abortions much easier. How is this seen as a racial justice issue when one, abortions are actually decimating the black population, two, it's, it, 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 technology has allowed for uh, uh, the ability not to conceive to be done much easier and the ability to have an abortion much easier. I mean, so what are your thoughts on the racial justice and how this affects supposedly only the poor and people of color? Well, it definitely it does not only affect them. I, I think that the, I mean, the argument that, that tries to be made is, is that it is, it, it tries to become like an access uh, component to this, but, but, but the reality is, is that there is a, there is a preying upon those that do not have the, the fullest information possible. Um, and whether what do you mean by praying? Right. I mean, I, I know what you right. mean, but right. by pr praying upon it in terms of that, that they are targeted um, to potentially, I mean, th there's a, to a harm that is going to come to them. They're being told one thing, but they're not being given the full and complete information to make a truly informed decision. Right, right. Would Marty Gosnell fall under that? Well, me meaning this, that anytime a woman is pregnant and is no longer pregnant, whether that is through a you know natural miscarriage or whether that is through a you know chosen deliberate miscarriage that you know we would you know classify as abortion, the the body undergoes a physical experience um, that is there, and there is also a psychological experience that cannot be ignored. Um, some will actually classify this as a post-abortion syndrome, which is, is very similar to almost like a PTSD. Others take tremendous dispute with that. But even the, the, the most liberal psychologists are going to identify, you can see this in, in Psychology Today articles with, with no bias you know, one way or another on this issue, just, just addressing what happens to a woman when a pregnancy ends is that there is a unique emotional experience that each one has and the involvement that they had in that process. You know, even women that, you know, didn't do anything wrong oftentimes blame themselves for the loss of their child. Yeah. When you actually add in the fact later. that, right, when you actually add in the fact that it was a deliberate choice um, that was there, that that is going to have an even more weighted effect. Um, with issues in our society today of anxiety, depression, just all of the, the feelings and, and the things that, that are going on right now to not inform a woman that these could be experiences that she will have in the aftermath of making such a choice is a radical disservice to them. It, it does great harm because then they're going to be feeling these things, they're going to be experiencing these things, and they're not even going to be understanding why um, that it's happening. So that their body's going to be going through the, this, this hormonal change because it was, it was once pregnant, and now it's not. They're going to be processing the, the actions of their choices, their decisions. So the the changes physiologically also have an emotional component upon the woman. And, and none of this is care that they are actually getting from any of these service providers um, that are out there. And, and to, to speak of this as a woman's health issue and not actually to be genuinely concerned and care about the woman in each of those components, that's where if you want to talk about the the you know, the, the racial side of this or the social justice side of this, those women are getting the short end of the stick every single time. Right. So what you're saying in layman terms, I keep saying layman terms. Uh, I apologize. You're explaining it very well. Uh, 
I'm used to talking to Big John as he tries to layer, layer, layer when we argue. <laughs> but uh, uh, so, so what you're saying is these, these women, when they go in and go, I'm thinking of an abortion, they don't pause, stop and go through a process with them. They pretty much say, get on the table there. And, 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 and I'm saying that I don't mean too lightly, but the reason I say it like that is I think of Martin Gosnell. I think of how Planned Parenthood uses these baby fetuses for, for research and it's become a supply and demand where they don't have enough supply of the demand for the baby uh, uh, parts. So they're, they want in my, their mind, Planned Parenthood wants that abortion done for a profit. And I'm not taking the, I'm taking the side here. That's what I see Planned Parenthood doing. Again, and the reason I get angered by that because I, I, it loathes me to say this, but, and I say it because it goes so against our beliefs. I'm pro-life, but I think it's woman's choice. And I think, her going through that process is part of what's necessary to help them make a proper decision. Because I truly believe in my heart, when they're given all that information, all their options, 99%, or actually a great percentage of them will not have the abortion. And I believe up to 99% will not have the abortion once they're shown a sonogram, which Planned Parenthood will not do. Uh, 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 so so I, I do think it's it, 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 it's a gray area, but when you break it down, it's not so gray as much as it's a, 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 an industry of deception. And the ones who are suffering are these women who are poor. I'm not going to say women of color because I come from the South. There's a lot of trailer parks there. You know, there's a lot of poor white people. So it's the poor that are disenfranchised in many ways by not being given the full information. Thank you, Karen. That was great. Uh, uh, let's wrap this up, though. But you don't have to rush because this is the heart of where we're at, California. Politically speaking, two general questions here. Uh, the first one, politically speaking, how will the parties handle this briefly nationwide, but more specifically here in California? Absolutely. So a couple of things. One thing to kind of just speak to your point, too, is, is that the Democrat Party used to actually, when, when speaking on this topic, refer to abortion as being something that, that no woman should want to choose. So going to your point that, you know, that, that, that there's a call of Right. But it was like it was supposed to be safe, legal and rare, even exactly. in those that were, you know, pretty much radically kind of, you know, pro-choice. OK, I mean, it, it was a fringe group that pretty much wanted abortion without restriction right you know i mean even even the hillary clintons and the barack obamas both used kind of you know that that sort of you know kind of catchphrase when it came to you know their position you know on, on abortion now again you've got the buffy wickses and the gavin newsoms that are out there that that are hyper polarizing this issue and and turning it into something that again, is, is outside of, of probably the comfort of most mainstream Americans and even Californians. So you, you do have the, you know, kind of the Democratic Party right now, especially um, circling the wagons, and especially in California, where we know that there's, you know, an even, you know, further, you know, in terms of the spectrum of where most Americans are, Californians had a higher percentage that opposed the overturning of, of Roe v. Wade than even nationally. Right. Though nationally, it was it was much closer to even than we see in California. 
But again, even within that polling that is present there, there's certainly a spectrum of what that actually means. Again, right. most Americans and even most Californians are going to speak to that, that viability issue. Um, and with the ability to, you know, with viability getting younger and younger and younger uh, in, in terms of the, the age of the fetus, that becomes an even harder and harder place um, to, to go. And, and, and then there's some, just some logical inconsistencies that, that surround that debate as well. Right. What we're seeing politically, though, is, is that because the nation and because California has inflationary issues, there's wars that are going on. There's shortage, you know, product shortages that are happening. There's a lot All on the of table these things that are just an absolute, absolute breakdown. In California, especially, you're seeing just public safety being a nightmare. Homelessness is still an issue. So failure after failure after failure of the issues that actually affect the, those bread and butter kitchen table issues that affect Californians and Americans are being ignored so that there can be this radical misdirection of, oh, they're gonna strip you of your abortion rights, which, okay, isn't even what's actually happening, even if the leaked decision ends up going the way that it could potentially go. So much like we saw this radical misdirection over COVID, um, we're seeing the, the second like thing here, there is, there is a just tremendous occasion to use fear and misdirection to get people to not focus on the things that are truly most important to them and that, that are affecting them at a far greater level than we're gonna, this is essentially government telling you, this is what matters to you and this is why you need to be concerned about what we're telling you to be concerned about and ignore the, you know, the wizard behind the curtain or, you know, that man over there, that's not important to you even though that's exactly the answer to your question. So Karen, uh, what you're saying is, is what I agree with from this sense is uh, Roe versus Wade is a national debate issue, regardless of gender, regardless of age. Some, we all have opinions on it and beliefs, some stronger than other. However, we haven't seen these times since when we were kids in the 70s with the high inflation, the gas prices, the long lines. Uh, hey, we, we've touched on it a little bit during the Obama regime, et cetera, but we're really hard into it. And my belief is that this is, this is going to be a tight battle, unpredictable, meaning who can win. However, if we do what's right and truthfully and keep reminding people, because they don't need to be reminded, but politics is different. Democrats are so great at, at, at creating a woven tale that they can make abortion the only issue. But I think what's going to destroy that argument is what you said. At the end of the table, outside of the 70s, we haven't seen times like this, when they sit at the kitchen table, honey, do we have enough to buy bread for the kids' sandwiches next week? Honey, did you see the electric bill? Tonight, the, the, did you see? We have actually hard hitting. As what was the term you used? Kitchen, so it's kitchen a, table issues. Yeah, yeah right, kitchen, yeah. which is which is a general, a great political term, and that's what they're fighting. Not to mention the silver lining. Once you start breaking it down uh, into uh, uh, when they can have abortion, some of, some of these laws, this is a battle we can win and still be fair to women. And when I say be fair to women. My belief is, as a human being, everybody has a right to make their decision, but we must make informed decisions. I know that's not popular amongst a lot of pro-life, even though, I, and, and nobody will ever take that away from me. Some people have tried to tell me, you're not pro-life. I'm not pro-life because I don't want to force a woman to do something. 
please. But that said, uh, I think you bring up so, some great points there. Uh, but specifically, how will the Republican Party in California handle this? Are they adept enough? I don't think they are. Are they, are they intuitive enough? I don't think they are. Are they willing to go into the barrios and directly to these, uh, 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 the barrios, the ghettos, the trailer parks, directly to the people most affected? I don't think they will. I hope I'm wrong, am I? Oh, I, I'm not, I can't thoroughly speak to that. I, I will say that what I do find really interesting is, is how much abortion is becoming this, this single issue voter sway. I mean, it used to be pro-lifers, were the ones where abortion was their single issue vote. Like, you know, and by a single issue voter, it meant that the voter goes into the voting booth um, to vote for a candidate pretty much based off of their stance on one particular issue. Right. For some people, what's that you most know, famous with? I'm sorry? What's that most famous with? Who are the most dominant one issue voters in America? Well, like I say, previously, I actually would have said pro life uh, individuals. Uh, I'd say that, gun rights. Gun rights. Uh, that, that's a fair one too. Democrats They're vocal who about are it. Gun rights. And you certainly have a very small little faction that, you know, might be, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, climate change or, you know, global warming, you know, like everyone has like their hot button issue and this is what th th they vote on. So I'm really surprised to basically see this single issue voter component now moving to the sort of left, if you will, on a pro-abortion component. Um, like I say, it previously had not been, it was just part of their sort of package that was there. And so there is the opportunity for, you know, Republicans or those that actually want to have the nuanced discussion. The, the, the problem is, is that people don't want to actually dive into their own personal beliefs on this, and, and they don't want to defend, you know, what they actually believe. And, and it does, it gets, it gets complicated and messy, and there's logical, you know, inconsistencies that people hold to, to varying views, and they don't want to be challenged on, on that component of it. But, but right now, there's a way bigger opportunity for that to be opened with, I think, the Democrats in the way that they are camping on this issue. No, while... Karen, Karen, forgive me for interrupting, and I get that, and you're right, but we want to know, what will the Republican Party I think, do in right, general? I think most Republicans are staying on point in terms of talking about inflation. They're, they're staying on point in talking about public safety. They're on point in staying on topic when it comes to homelessness, especially in California. And I think that if they will stay on point with those issues while making sure that the counter argument to rights being stripped is negated and nullified. Don't let the Democrats control the narrative on this topic to say that, oh, they're, you know, they're going to strip your rights. First of all, this is actually a matter with the Supreme Court. It's not even something that the legislators are specifically going to be on, except, like I say, in California, maybe to try to codify or entrench uh, th this right that's there. But how extreme will it go? And while they're over here putting all of this energy and attention and time and talent and you know well, I don't know about talent but time and resources into a topic that is out of touch with where most Californians really are for what they want to see their government doing. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that 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 makes sense. I kind of view it this way. It it. Everything you said is true. And one reason that the Democrats are able, they're trying to make this a one issue uh, platform and they do that through deception. But that said, uh, 
the reason they're able to successfully do that to an extent is because of what you said about people not wanting to talk about this in the mirror with themselves and what they really believe and things like that. And that's the layers that the Republican Party candidate has to peel back. Personally, I see a silver lining in this. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to uh, uh, use the silver lining because it's not in their nature as we've seen the last 20 years. Again, Planned Parenthood. I will not fund Planned Parenthood and then move on to a quicker topic and then they end up signing a bill that ends up funding Planned Parenthood. So I'm not sure we have the ability to win this battle, which is why when it was leaked, I knew perfectly why it was. It was leaked by a Democrat operative to galvanize the troops now versus waiting for the decision actually to come out and for it to be too late. Final question. Do you see any specific political race locally or federally in the state of California where the abortion battle can have big consequences, good or bad? In California, no, abortion isn't going to be the the, the hot enough topic issue. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I think I'm actually hearing Newsom ads about his championing and protecting of abortion, and, and I, I find it a very interesting use of, of money, and I, I guess attempting to kind of sway the argument. And, and I would go so far as to say the reason why he's spending the money is because his seat is potentially safe. He has a, a pretty significant war chest, and he's probably spending that to try to sway congressional seats um, in an attempt to, um, to keep the House. I think it has very little to do with any particular race in California. Like I say, maybe a few congressional races here um, that, that will be close, uh, but you're not going to specifically, I think, see the candidates themselves, uh, you know, that are in the, in the fray on this, speaking about the issue, that there might be a few barbs exchanged if, if there are some debates here or there. But like I say, where, where you're seeing this attempt to control the narrative is in very safe seats, trying to move it further left than where the mainstream might actually be. And, and Newsom spending some of his you know political capital, which he has in spades um, to, to blow, trying right. to move this debate um, where he wants it to be. Yeah, I think California swung so far left, as I said, I, it no longer what California does, the nation follows. And I think uh, Newsom has presidential hopes, and, but we haven't had a legit presidential uh, candidate out of California in decades. And I think it's because we swung so far left. And look, sadly, actually it's not sadly, it's rightfully, Kamala Harris is a joke nationally as a candidate and as an individual. And here in California, she's a joke because all you hear about uh, uh, <laughs> Kamala and horizontal. That's all you ever hear because it's truthful, uh, 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 but it's also made her a joke. And my point is simple, is that I think California is winning the battle here, but they're losing it nationally. And, and I think California has a good chance to pick up some conservative seats if the politicians would play it right, I just don't think they will. Karen, any final comments on this abortion issue? Oh, it, it's still a flux. I mean, it's still in flux. We, we don't have a Supreme Court decision yet. Um, we still have uh, a, a ways to go uh, before we actually see oh. uh, what is going to actually happen with that. Uh, well, probably in June, um, that decision uh, will you know actually come out and, you know, uh, so there's just, it's still uh, very much uh, up in the air what, what actually is going to come. So like I say, it, it's good to discuss these issues and to see where they're currently at um, in, in the political spectrum of things. But until we actually have a Supreme Court decision and we actually watch that response, uh, it, it's still um, all somewhat in the, the, the hypothetical and theoretical senses. Okay, so I lied. I do have one more question and you brought it up. 
do you think there's a chance all this pressure, all the threatening of violence, all the, 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 the would-be murderers standing outside the houses of the SCOTUS? Because those are would-be murderers. If they had their way, they would kill those SCOTUSes. They're trying to intimidate them, scare them, and, 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 and threaten them by being bullies there. Do you think there's a chance that they win that battle and a justice flips his vote? I think the five that are currently seem to potentially be signing on to the Alito draft, you know, the leaked um, draft that are there, probably are not going to move. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what Roberts um, eventually does. Um, yeah, Robert, pretty, we know what he's going to do. He's been pretty quiet. Uh, he'll, he'll try to, I think, thread the needle um, to make it as, as political a decision as possible, rather than a, if you will, necessarily constitutionally interpreted decision. But uh, I, I don't, I don't, th- I mean, I think Kavanaugh kind of went through the ringer when he, you know, went through his, his you know, lies his, they said right, about his, him. right, his nomination hearings and, and things of that nature and his confirmation hearings. So I don't necessarily know that this is going to probably sway him. And I think, I think the rest seem pretty firm in their convictions, but again, it is anything is possible. So. Outstanding. Karen, thank you. Y'all, you have been listening to the Fired Up Podcast. Don't forget to visit sportsgrumblings.com. And it sounds kind of odd. We have a political podcast and the sports grumblings, but I don't care because that's what we're about. And make sure you listen to the podcast. Make sure you share it. We're slowly growing. We're seeing our numbers improve. So it's great to add Karen uh, uh, to, to the podcast field. And I think that's about it. We're going to have Karen on weekly, once a week to talk politics, anywhere from 30 minutes to to an hour. Karen, thank you for being on, and we shall see you next week. William, it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, and I will look forward to that as well. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of your day as well. Thank you. Thanks, listeners. Take care.